You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. My intention is to share simple tips and tricks that will make a huge difference in your life and home, as well as give you all the support and encouragement you deserve to enhance your parenting experience. I've created a safe place for us to explore the issues and concerns that matter to you, bringing you clarity and solution with Q&A sessions and inspirational conversation with world-renowned experts in a variety of fields. I'm a firm believer that parenting was never meant to be done alone, and I'm here to debunk the general consensus that it has to be hard. A warm welcome to you, and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. And today I have Dr. Sam with us. And I am excited about this conversation because, well, I think Dr. Sam has some exciting news to share with us about, um, well, I don't know. I don't want to reveal too much. <laughs> so I will let you share uh, as we get in. So thank you for making the time to be with us today. Thank you, Jean-Marie. Yes. So I always like to start by asking my guests to define what the art of parenting means to them. Oh, gosh, that's so beautiful. Well, to me, I feel like everything that we experience in this reality is a function of how we're parented. Because as parents, we build the infrastructure that scaffolds our children's sense of themselves and the world and how they operate. And then these children grow up to be adults who create the infrastructure of our human society. And so I believe that parenting is the most sacred art, the most important art. And um, because hopefully, ultimately, it's guided by love, it really also can be quite fun and beautiful and artful. But it's but it's serious stuff. It is serious stuff, but I love that you say it can be fun and artful because that's that's my mission in life is to make sure that we parent with more ease and joy. So oh, I love uh, that. Yes. So um, before we get too involved in our conversation, I would love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about your background and um, what you're working on these days. Sure. So I was a licensed clinical psychologist here in Los Angeles for about 18 years. I had a private practice and I trained many budding therapists, both licensed and unlicensed, how to work in a style that I was sort of starting to create. But after 18 years of sitting with people, I started to notice these these patterns that I just couldn't unsee, that every single person I was working with, regardless of their age, their gender, their socioeconomic status, their race, how they vote, they were all talking about essentially the same exact 12 problems and even using the same language to describe them. And I started realizing this is, this is no joke. We really only have 12 problems as human beings. And as I began working more deeply with these problems, which I call our coping styles, I started tracing them back to early childhood, that each of these issues we have is caused when we don't get exactly what we need at a certain developmental stage in our first five years of life, from newborn all the way up to five. And we're sort of born hardwired, needing a certain kind of support from our parents during each of these subtle developmental stages. But of course, as parents, we're not taught about these stages. We're not aware of them, and it's not always easy to understand what they are. So we often don't get it right as parents. And so as children, 
um, we're left with a lot of wounding. And, uh, and when we don't get exactly what we need, we have to adapt by adopting a coping style. Our coping styles are our way of coping with an environment that didn't totally match our needs. And they end up becoming these lifelong traits and ways of relating and seeing ourselves in the world. And we think they're aspects of our personality because it's who we've always been, but it's not who we really are. And all of us have several coping styles. I had all 12 personally, which is what allowed me to be the conduit for this work. And as I've healed them in myself and I've healed them in my clients, um, I've also started to notice you know, the magic that I realized, wait a minute, this isn't mind stuff. This is energy stuff. And so I actually left the field of psychology behind. And I decided to work more in the energetics because I noticed when I would work with the mind, it would go around in circles for years. I would see clients every week for years before we saw any major shifts. And now in 20 minutes, I can help someone have a radical shift that completely changes how they feel about themselves in the world and how they show up. And even more mystically, how the world shows up for them in turn. So now a big part of what I'm doing is helping people rewrite their own coding, which is why I call my work source code, and also how to parent differently to not create these coping styles in our kids. Oh my goodness, what beautiful work. And I love that you talk about the energetics of things because everything is energy in, in my world. <laughs> Whether- and it's so much easier to shift it when you work with it as a, an energy pattern as opposed to like trying to think about it. Ooh, the mind is tricky. Yeah, yeah, and we'll always try to trick you somewhere else. So I, I'm just fascinated with this. What uh, do you have like specific modalities of how you work with energy? Because I know there there's you know Reiki and Theta healing and and all sorts of things. But is this something that you've developed or yes. that you've okay? It's an entirely new approach to healing and growth and evolution and. Um, I call one-on-one sessions coding sessions because of source code. So I believe in our first five years of life, our early experience sort of writes a code deep within us that sort of becomes the algorithm that runs our matrix. And it's when we rewrite the code that our whole matrix shifts. So coding sessions are not like coaching. They're not like therapy. We don't focus on any of the concrete specifics of what's going on in your life or any of your relationships. We'll take a few brief cues from what's going on in your life to look deeper than the the surface of things to see the coding underneath that is holding the source of the pattern that keeps repeating in our lives. So each individual story of what we're experiencing each day is just one concretization of an underlying pattern or coding. And so in source code, we work with the code itself. I only speak at the level of code. I don't speak at the level of um, circumstance. So for you to speak at the level of code, do you like do you get yourself in a meditative state like i i'm i'm just fascinated but how you do it <laughs> i could geek out on this all day you know so kind of i don't know do you remember those magic eye photos from the 90s where you'd stare at this thing that just looked like static on a television screen and you'd stare at it long enough and all of a sudden this image would pop out and it would be like a 3d image For me, the coding or the underlying symbolic landscape that was encoded into us in our early years is something I can now see with my naked eye just as much as I see the concrete things like the couch, the cat on the couch, the the rug. I can see everything in the room that's concrete, but I can also completely see the code that's running. It's kind of like being um, in the film The Matrix where 
back on the ship. Neo's in a specific place based on the code, but then the coders on the ship are looking at those little green symbols cascading down on the screen. And they also, quote unquote, see where Neo is because they can read code. So I can read code and I actually have a team of incredible uh, people who I've also taught to, to do source code work. And so all of us can learn how to see the coding or the symbolic landscape that's that's informing every experience we're having. Fascinating. Fascinating. So most of all, my listeners are, are parents, uh, parents of young children. That's what I focus in is, is the first six years, because like you, I, I, I know how important those, those first years are. What would you say to parents that are listening that are, you know, kind of concerned that they are going to write a proper code for, for their children, right? Or, 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 or help them uh, have that code. What are some of the ways that we can really be mindful of, of, you know, what we say, what we do, how that's influencing what that, I guess, the, the code that our children is writing for themselves? Perfect. Yeah. So I think the first thing I would want to say is just that the, if someone is wanting to know about how they're coding their children, we're already so much farther along than the generation before us. Like none of our parents were really thinking about our internal world as children. And so already that's so beautiful and giving our kids such a leg up just that we care and we want to furnish them with the best coding. That's so cool. But I think the best way for parents to write um, healthy code into their kids is to rewrite our own code, is to make sure we're not in any of our glitchy code or coping styles because the coping styles are passed down unconsciously through the generations. And sometimes we create the same styles in our kids or sometimes we create the puzzle piece styles that are a fit with our styles. But really the only times that we're encoding our kids negatively is when we're not in alignment with our true essence, which is just love, like true, true, true love. And the only time we're not in alignment with ourselves is when we're in one of our coping styles. And so I'm actually teaching a course for parents called Parenting is Love that starts May 25th. But the focus of the course is really on us healing ourselves and shifting out of our negative coping styles into their antidotes or healed position. So instead of being disconnected, we become connected. Instead of being omnipotent and controlling, we become safe. And so when we shift, our children shift, because really they're just a part of us and an extension of us, an expression of, of what we're providing them. So the best place to start is looking at our own coding. Beautiful. And and I mean, so true with all aspects, right? I mean, I was just talking to somebody this morning about being regulated and how we expect children to, you know, self-regulate when really it starts with us. <laughs> so same, same thing. What, um, I'm, I'm intrigued by what these coping styles are, or maybe I, I know you said that you mentioned there are 12, so maybe we don't need to go through all 12, but are there some that are more prevalent in, uh, most humans like that, that you've noticed and, and how we can shift some of those? Yeah, they're all equally prevalent and we all have a ton of them. <laughs> so um, you'll recognize yourself in many of them, but let's see, let's give it, let's give it a, a wide smattering so that people can get a taste of just how different they all are. So I mentioned the disconnected coping style and that, that is one that forms actually as newborns, like in our first three months. And really what we're looking for at that time is a sense of home and a sense of belonging, like 
do I belong here on planet Earth in this body with this family at this time in this place? And the way we come to know that it's the right fit is if we're understood by our caregivers, if we're attuned to. So when we're such little teeny tiny newborns, we have very primitive and limited forms of communication. We can coo, we can cry, we can shake. But you know, can our parents tune into our inner world so that our inner world of feelings and needs and sensations is met in a coherent way by the outside things, our parents, if they can tune into us and if they can get it right, like we're hungry so then we get fed or we're warm so then our sweater gets taken off, we're like, ah, all is right in the world. I'm understood. I can be connected. There's a a clean line of connection. It's like a, a clean loop between us and our parents. So we're connected. And then we grow up feeling like we belong. We're understood. We're a part of the family system. We're a part of this world. And if for whatever reason, our parents weren't picking up what we were putting down, like they just could not tune in to us or would not tune into us, we end up feeling really, really awful because our inside world doesn't match our outside world. And so we end up feeling like we're some sort of alien or we don't belong here. This is the wrong place, the wrong time. We end up adopting the disconnected coping style. And there's actually four subtypes of this style that are really different from one another. But if you're someone who's felt like maybe you're a bit of an alien on this earth, it could be because you have the disconnected coping style. And um, the way to heal the disconnected coping style is actually to learn how to connect through the process of rupture and repair. I'm sure you guys talk about that a lot on this podcast. Do you? Mm-hmm. I haven't. I haven't yet. So I'm. I'm interested. Oh, yeah. Okay. Great. Please. So in childhood or in all relationships, what we need in order to build a healthy bond that feels like a good fit and really deeply connected is to rupture and then repair. So the rupture is like a little tear in the fabric of connection, like a misunderstanding, misattunement. I'm not getting you. This is not making sense. We're not on the same page. And when that happens and we find our way back to one another, let me try again. Can you explain again? Can we get back to to understanding? Ah, that's the repair. And it's the same way that like when we go to the gym, we need to tear the muscle fibers so that they grow back stronger. That's how we build a muscular, you know, bulge. That's also how we build a relational bond is when we tear and then we come back stronger and we learn how to repair each tear. If we're disconnected, When something tore, it never got repaired. There was never any return to shared reality. And so we don't understand that you can repair a rupture if we're disconnected. So instead, we find a way to check out rather than checking in. So to heal our disconnected wounds, we learn how to stay with our own inner world and not check out, and then how to share our inner world with another. And it might take a few times before they understand us, but then ah, we get to some sort of understanding And that's how a real deep, safe connection is built. And that's when we end up feeling connected to this world is when um, people can understand us finally. Beautiful. And it's interesting because um, I'm I'm Montessori trained and we, we talk a lot about what you just were describing about that disconnection as a newborn is that first kind of psychological leg that we call trust in the world. Yes. Right? Is this is a safe place. I trust I trust the world that I've been born into. So that's beautiful. 
what's what's another one that um that you want to share because I, I actually have your screen with the with the circles of the 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 coping styles in front of me and I'm I'm I want to click on all of them but I'd I'd love for you to I call of... them my ice cream cones even though there aren't cones they're just circles colors <laughs> they're so creamy and beautiful um is there any that call to you I was the, the symbiotic that's what I was gonna say <laughs> Because it's interesting because for me, like they're, they're the, the first eight weeks of life is the symbiosis period, right? Is well, that- actually, so the symbiotic coping style is actually a, um, a toddler wound. Ah, okay. okay. Yeah, because we want to be in symbiosis as, as newborns. Right. But toddlerhood is when we're finally emerging out of symbiosis. So we're able to toddle away from the safe base of our caregivers for the first time and try things on our own. Until then, we're just this little passive lump of flesh that is completely dependent on our caregivers and that's developmentally appropriate. But during toddlerhood, we're trying to find, wait a minute, do I have my own self? Do I have my own capability, my own way of doing things, uh, my own power and sense of self inside? And we need our parents to support that healthy differentiation. We need them to let us toddle away while they're still curious about us and they keep their eyes on us because, you know, toddlers, they keep looking back to check, are you still with me? If I leave, are you still with me? Are we still Yes. Yes. So true. When they start walking, they're always looking back. Yes. Yes. So they want to know, can we stay connected and be separate? And if we have this symbiotic coping style, the answer to that was nope. You're either going to completely lose my attention if you do something on your own or, oh, don't go over there. It's too scary. Like the parent does not allow the child to develop a separate sense of self. Oftentimes the parent has what I call the omnipotent coping style and they need complete control all the time. And so they're always like, no, this is the right way and it's got to be my way and I'm going to take over and do it for you. And so the child never learns that it's okay to say no or disagree, or have a separate sense of self. And so they stay in that dependent symbiotic relationship where their whole life long, they attach themselves to very powerful others that remind them of their parents unconsciously. And they end up playing that subservient role. They're very passive, people-pleasing, agreeable. They never want to rock the boat. They never want to make waves. They're always just going along with what the other person wants to please them. The other person has no idea, by the way, and thinks that they've found their soulmate, (laughs) but the symbiotic is just people-pleasing. And then usually what ends up happening if we're symbiotic is um, we kind of can't stand it after a while, and we end up cutting off from the person we attached ourselves to in order to have ourselves again. But then we usually just attach to a new big figure who we give ourselves up for. Um, and it's this awful dance of losing the self in another and then cutting off from the other to regain the self. Wow. And how do you, how do you heal, heal that? Like to, to stop that cycle of, of needing, you know, somebody else to, to feel whole. Yeah. So the antidote to symbiotic is to become solid, which means taking shape firming up and knowing I have my own source to source inside. I don't need my source to be someone else. And when I know that I am whole and that I can trust myself and that there's a there there inside, then I don't need to depend on anyone else in the same way. And therefore, because I'm not afraid of them and dependent on them, I can actually for the first time be honest I can disagree at times. I can have my own needs and preferences and opinions of things. And that's when the relationships actually become real because people-pleasing isn't really relating. It's it's fusion, you know, and then it leads to cutoff. 
But when you can actually share your real self with someone, disagree at times, that's when a real healthy, lasting relationship can get born from that solid sense of self. Wow. And and it's fascinating that you say that this starts in toddlerhood, because that is really the time when you know, a lot of parents are are <laughs> are pulling their hair out because of of you know the meltdowns and, and and the tantrums. Because for me, children are just saying, "Hey, I want to try something different, and I want to be my own self, and I need to test the boundaries and all of that." So, I you know, I hope that parents are hearing like trust your child and let them <laughs> let them try all these different things for themselves. Yeah. And I think, you know, when we talk about tantrums and the terrible twos, I think we're talking about a different set of coping styles, um, which I call the frustrated and indulged. There's two different coping styles that relate to what I call a will injury. So from the time we're about 10 months old up until four years old, we're developing a sense of our willpower, you know, what we can and cannot affect with our will. And we need to neither be overly indulged nor be overly frustrated during that time. Um, the tantrums is is really this this pushing of the will. That's you know the terrible twos is is when the will is really forming. Ter- terrific twos. Terrific twos. Yeah. <laughs> so if we overly indulge a child's will, then they end up becoming little dictators, and they um, expect the world to revolve around them, and they have kind of in that Stanford marshmallow experiment, like they, they don't have the, the frontal lobes that can allow for um, de- delayed gratification or patience or the understanding that they impact others or that others also have needs and feelings just like them. And so we can grow up to be quite entitled and impatient, um, bossy if we're indulged. And then if we're overly frustrated, we grow up to be very passive aggressive because we feel like we can never win. And if we and by winning, we're going to have to win by losing and making everyone else lose. So we we learn how to sort of dig our heels in, kick under the table, resist everything passively. Um, life feels hard. It feels like a fight. There's so much stuckness and there's just so much anger that never got to get expressed. So um, yeah, each of these developmental stages are so subtle and so important. And part of my work is really educating parents that they exist these developmental stages? Because once you know them, they're really simple and actually really easy to meet our kids' needs. But a lot of parents don't even know about any of the stuff we're discussing today. Right. Because it's, 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 it's almost like this roadmap of what, you know, what, what turns and, and, and everything that, that the child is going to take, like in their personality development. That's exactly. That's what all parents who have done source code work say is like, this is the guidebook, the roadmap, you know, to to helping our kids through each stage of development. So I'm 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 interested in what you talked about uh, the indulged uh, coping style. What happens to a child who has been you know indulged so much that they like you say they become you know little dictators and and the world revolves around them. Like how do you how do you repair that when later in life? Um, because you know, I know I know some children who, who are older who are really like that, and it's it's really frustrating to be around them. Absolutely, and I think to answer your question, what happens is America happens. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like America is is a collection of indulged coping style. I mean, among other things, but you know, we're just grabbing and taking and extracting and 
thinking the whole world revolves around us and our consumerism. And, and that consumerism really comes out of this emptiness, like at the core of the indulged wound is really a missing sense of being part of a village. Like we weren't raised to feel like we're a part of something that we could be deeply impacted by others and they can be deeply impacted by us. So the antidote to indulged is actually a term coined by the late Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh, and it's called interbeing. And when we enter a state of interbeing, we it's like re-entering the flow of life and realizing we're interconnected with all living beings from the beginning of time, that it's one interlocking chain of of existence and that we're all here together because part of what informs the grabbiness and the consumerism and the entitlement is just such a deep feeling of disconnection and separation and loneliness. And so really rehabilitating someone with the indulged coping style is, yes, helping them reckon with their negative impact on others and also really welcoming them back into the tribe. Like you have a place here, you're part of something. You are not in solitary confinement that just needs to grab for more and more. You actually have everything you need right here in your community to feel satiated. Fascinating. Fascinating. And it, and it's interesting that you say the the US because I've I'm I'm uh, bicultural, so so raised in France and here. And I know I've always felt like the the US and the way that they that we go about life is very much um, kind of a toddler. <laughs> you know, we're still very kind of immature in in how we how we go about things. So so that's interesting how it is it is cultural, right? Yeah, and that's a circle back to the very first question you asked me about the art of parenting is it's like these are collective wounds. They're childhood wounds. We got stuck in arrested development at certain ages because we didn't get what we needed. And so now on the collective level, it's deeply impacting our planet and our society because none of us got past the the dictator stage, you know? And um yeah, this is why parenting is so, so sacred and important. So sacred and important and and I think needs, you know, a lot of support. So I mean, that that's why I do this podcast and, and invite guests such as you is to really share with parents that there are different ways than maybe what the conventional, you know, parenting world tells us that we need to tell our children what to do and do everything for our children. Um, but what, like, how do we move forward? How do we how do we continue developing as a society if if we have all of these wounds? Well, what's cool about source code is that, like I was saying, since it's not psychology, we can shift them now, in this moment. We can shift out of a lifelong fractal pattern of one of these wounds and become its antidote, and boom, our whole lives change, how we interact with everything and everyone in our lives changes. And again, that mystical piece the world also changes because we're living in a matrix. Um, <laughs> you know, if let's say we have the symbiotic coping style, that one I was talking about earlier, the people please, right? You know, symbiotic parents tend to create indulged children because symbiotic parents are afraid to say no. They're afraid to be separate. They're afraid to hold a firm, unwavering boundary with love. 
because symbiotic people feel that firmness is actually meanness or they worry that it is. Especially since their omnipotent parent could be like ragey and scary, they don't ever want to be the firm thing. So they're very indulgent and they end up raising kids who are, who are indulged. So the reason I'm bringing this in is when we heal our own coping styles, when we leave the old patterns of energy behind, we embody something new, our children shift with us. So the moment a symbiotic person has the courage and the wherewithal to say, the buck stops with me, I will be firm, I will be solid with love, and that is who I really am, and that's what's going to serve me, my life, and my children. The moment that they do that, the child's no longer indulged. They just aren't indulged anymore. So they don't, they don't have that wound anymore. So that's why, again, the way out for all of us is to do the work on ourselves first. Yes. Yes. And, and I mean, so true for, for, for many things. I just, like, I know that intellectually, right. That, that it comes from us, the parent and, and such, but the society as a whole, I don't know as if we get that yet. Right. Or, or that, that we're, we're still in this, you know, I'm an adult, I'm, I'm bigger than you, I'm going to tell you what to do, and so forth. So to me, it's like, it's, it's this vicious circle that I so want to break that pattern. But Me too. And you know, I saw that also in the field of psychology, that was the same model is, I'm the expert, I'm going to tell you what to do. And that's why in source code, when someone learns from me how to do source code work, we, the work all starts inside first. We must heal our own coping styles first or else how could we possibly heal them in others? We can't take someone somewhere we haven't gone ourselves. So all the work begins inside with source code. Wonderful. And so this, this course that, you're, that you mentioned um, starting May 25th, tell us a little bit more about that. Sure. So it's called Parenting as Love and it's a 14-week course with me. Um, where we're going to do a deep dive on each of the 12 coping styles. I'm going to explain exactly how they get formed in our own childhood. And then if we identify with that coping style, how does that affect our parenting now? And how can we make subtle energetic shifts in the moment to no longer parent that way? And how can we make sure we don't create these coping styles in our kids? And if we see signs that we already have, which is very common. We already have created that coping style in our child. How do we, again, make subtle energetic shifts in the now to support our child in instantly emerging from that coping style and moving into its antidote or healed possession? And this is valid for any parent with a child of any age, or do yes. you recommend it for younger? You could be pregnant. You could have a child in their 30s. <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't matter how old you are. Um, how old your children are. If you're a parent, you, we can change these things at any time. We can heal them in ourselves at any time. We can heal them in our children at any time. So even if you're just expecting a child, learning about this in advance is fantastic. But if your child is a teenager, it's still possible to shift them completely out of their coping styles now if we are doing this work. And when you say shifting our child out of a coping, you're, you're, you're still working on yourself and it's through your own energetic that it's going to shift in your child. Exactly. So imagine if you knew your child was indulged and you're like, oh, I got to shift this. It's like, well, you're going to have to firm up then, right? So you're going to have to come out of your symbiotic to heal their indulge. There's just no other way around it. 
Right. And can you use this kind of to heal others that aren't necessarily your direct children? Well, yeah. I mean, I think when we shift our coping cells, it has a ripple effect on everyone around us. You know, it's just, we, we stand into a new embodiment and it's like, you know how it's like hurt people, hurt people. Mm-hmm. I've also heard like healed people, heal people, you know, being around someone who's in their heart and firm and clear and loving and all, all the yummy antidotes connected and spacious and, you know, uh, safe. When you're around someone like that, it's like, it's a whisper of a new kind of possibility. And first of all, being around someone like that sheds the light on the places we're not like that. And if we have the courage to do something about it, we can be drawn into the new energetic field that is healthier and more loving, more safe. And I, and I like the way you say courage, because I know for me, sometimes like doing some work on myself can be scary, right? Because it's, or like, it's the unknown, right? Like, what am I going to (laughs) discover? Or, or, and so it is, it does take courage. So I like that. Um, Now, are you a parent yourself? I'm not. You're not. Okay. And I've, you know, I wrestled around with who the fuck am I to tell parents how to parent? And the parents who I serve are like, please keep going. Do it. We need it. It's a yes. It works. Like source code is the best thing I've ever used with my kids. So please keep going. And that's what gave me the courage to say, yeah, I'm a parenting expert. I'm not a parent. And I've I've met some wonderful parenting experts that are not parents and some terrible parenting experts that are parents. So <laughs> so it doesn't, I don't think when, when you know, uh, it's just that I have a, a question for, you know, how, how, what would kind of the advice that you would give yourself knowing all that you know today, like if, if you were a parent, so I'm trying to think of how to word it for you as to, um, like maybe maybe about your profession, right? You say you were a psychologist for many years. Like, what would you tell your younger self who was going into that discipline? What wise words would you have liked to hear when you entered that field many years ago, uh, knowing all that you know today, if that makes any sense? Maybe trust yourself, trust your knowing. But to answer your question about with parents, I think one of the other things that I think is important to know is even if we do create a ton of coping styles in our kids, which oftentimes we just do, it's okay because the coping styles kind of set us on our hero's journey of self-discovery in this life. And so even if we do wound our children, which is kind of inevitable, it's natural and we don't have to be perfect at this. And again, just the fact that we want to know and we're trying is already huge evolution generationally. So just kind of being easy on the self, I know it can be the hardest job in the world to be a parent and there's so much judgment and there's so many different conflicting viewpoints on how to do it. And I would just say like, um, be easy on yourself, you know, give, fill yourself up with love and that'll help you also be more loving with your kids. I love that. And I know for, for me, I'm, I'm a parent of two young adults. And I know when I entered this journey, I told myself I would do the very best I possibly could. And I knew that, you know, ahead of time that I would be told I did something wrong. <laughs> so I think it's, I love that you say that, that it's, you know, it's inevitable that we're going to 
you know, create a coping style or, or there's going to be a little wound or a trauma or such, but we're, we're still doing our best and we're trying our best. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's true that it's, to me, it is such a beautiful time in the world. I mean, you know, not always when we see what's going on in, in the world, whether, you know, wars and climate change and, and all this, you know, and COVID, whatever, those are kind of the, the, the more negative. But for me, as the evolution of parenting, we are in a beautiful space today of, 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 you know, people like you who are thinking through, who are wanting to give new tools to parents to be able to really evolve as parents, because that's the only way we're going to evolve humanity. So. Yeah. And again, just that we're, this is the first time on earth parents are even asking these questions and wanting to evolve. And it's just incredible. Yeah. No, and it's true. Like there's so many resources of, you know, just getting back to, to a simpler, slower, more connected, uh, you know, energetics, all of that is, is just beautiful. Um, this has been delightful, Dr. Sam. I really appreciate you um, coming on. Is there any like parting words that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Yeah, I, I guess I'd just love to share with your audience that I have a, a free masterclass that they can take um, on that formation of will that we were talking about, like how to not create the indulged or frustrated coping styles and how to heal them in ourselves. So if anybody wants to download that, that's available. And Okay, um, and that will be in the show notes as well. Oh, cool. Great. I don't know. I feel like we've said so many good things. I know. I was going to say you've you've already shared quite a quite a bit and um and I will put the link to your course uh as well as to this quiz in the show notes and I know that this uh episode we're recording it a little bit earlier but it is um coming out on the 18th of May, which I believe is your birthday. Oh my gosh. Good memory. Yeah. <laughs> so happy birthday to you. <laughs> yeah, I have to say like, um, I can feel you and your, like the gravity and the health and the like maturity of your being. And I just want to say thank you. I've done a lot of podcasts and I just feel really energetically met by you. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. Well, thank you so much for, for making the time to be with us today and sharing your wisdom. It's been delightful. Thank you, Jean-Marie. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.